welcome to the Prevail Podcast, hosted by your friends, Britt and Meg, who are childhood friends whose paths crossed again to create something bigger than the book. They created the podcast in January 2020, and their goal is to have a platform where people share their stories of hardships and failures, and how they prevailed and were victorious through it all. This This is is the Prevail Prevail Podcast. Podcast. Hey guys, what's up? Hey guys, how's it going? So we're back together, recording in person. We are, which is good and bad. It's good because <laughs> recording in person is so much easier. The sound quality is better. And the interviews just go more smoothly because we get to actually like communicate instead of over FaceTime mm-hmm. where it's kind of hard. The bad part is, Britt, you can explain this. Yeah, the bad part is, is well, what you all are facing in your lives as well is the coronavirus, which we, um, oh, do we love the coronavirus. So it was... Uh, beginning of March that all this kind of craziness happened, right? I'm pretty Correct. sure. Correct. Yeah. Um, and we started kind of hearing things about it, and then Italy shut down, and then that's kind of when all the craziness happened. My family was out in Colorado, and for my birthday and my sister's birthday, and then it just kept getting worse. So we had to pack up and head home. So I'm back, obviously, with Meg at home. And um, now all of our school is online, which is crazy. Um, My sister had to move out of her dorm. Um, I'm fortunate I don't have much moving to do. Um, But it's just also crazy. I mean, I got like so many things in my life were canceled. Plans are changed. I I couldn't tell you what's going to happen next week or the week after or a month from now, um, which is kind of frustrating. And I'm sure some of you are going through the same with so many things canceled and so many plans now up in the air. Um, Right. And people being out of jobs because everything's all stores and whatnot Mm -hmm. are closing down and kids are out of school and parents are forced to homeschool their children now. And it's just chaotic and no one knows how long this is going to last. If it's going to be a few weeks, a few months, we have no idea. So, And I think that's the scary part is just the unknown of what's going to happen next. Like, how long is this going to go on for? Right. And the quarantine, I mean, I feel like Megan and I are trying to make the best of this quarantine and, you know, do healthy things, um, work out, go outside, maintain our jobs. Meg's fortunate she has her job still going on. Um, mm-hmm. But it's But just, I know a lot yeah. of people don't. Um, yeah. Most of my friends mm-hmm. aren't working right now. Right. Um, It's just been chaotic. So we feel how you guys are feeling. We know. And I think right now it's just time to keep um, a positive attitude Mm -hmm. and just know that this is going to be over. We just have to get through the storm, keep our heads up. Right, Mm right? No, totally. It's just got to keep it positive, which is easier said than done because there's some days, you know, I felt like I felt like almost like a depressed feeling just because of this quarantine. Like no one's you can't see a lot of people and. And nothing's open and you can't just go freely do things. I'm very, like, independent person and so is Meg. And mm-hmm. we like to go do our own thing. And There's nothing to go do yeah, besides going on walks. But a beautiful thing that we have found in our neighborhood, at least, is a lot more people are out and active and walking. And so many kids on their bikes and scooters and all of that. And my dad was working in his garage and people were walking by and a little boy was like, hey, dad, like, we should do this more often. Like, we never do things like this. So it was really cute cute 
to see that and hear that um, from all the people around. So I think it's been a big wake-up call for everyone. Um, Because nothing like this, mm -hmm. at least in mine and Britt's lifetime, Mm -hmm. has happened like this before. Um, So this is new to us. I mean, I don't think it's happened even before that, really. I don't. I think this is like a first time. I don't think our parents have even gone through this. Um, So I think we just need to write it out and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But today we have an awesome interview. We are super excited about this guest in particular. We have an amazing guest, you guys. I'm so excited. Seriously. (laughs) It was... Megan and I both have a smile right now thinking about this episode and how you guys are going to enjoy it as much as we did. It was so freaking fun. So much energy. Mm-hmm. So much positive vibes. It was, yeah. I'm, good I'm, vibes only. <laughs> hashtag good vibes only. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. We really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And we, th- we know you guys are going to as well. So. so enjoy the episode. And also, don't forget to leave a comment and let us know what you thought. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. But anyways, here we go. Just notice who was there because mm-hmm. we tend to take out our suffering on the people closest to us the mm-hmm. worst. And we don't notice that like they're only irritating us because they're close. And they're close mm-hmm. because they're trying to help. All right, Stacy. so welcome to our podcast. We are over the moon excited to have you on our podcast today. So we're with so that, happy to have you here. <laughs> so with that being said, go ahead and tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and who you are, what you do, all of that. Absolutely. I am very excited to be here as well. Like you guys can't see me, but I have a really big cheesy smile on my face because I'm so excited to be here. Um, What I like to tell people when I'm sharing anything on my social is that my name is Stacey Flowers because people always think that that's like a stage name and not like a birth name, but nope, it's Stacey Flowers. That's an (laughs) awesome name. (laughs) Thank you. And I make a living through talking just like Oprah, but by way of speaking from the stage about happiness, um, doing coaching, and I coach women to be more amazing. It seems very broad, but it usually falls into the bucket of business or life coaching. And then I do influencing on my social platforms. So like uh, a, a really big space of influencing that I've been doing lately is talking about money, where I started to document my financial journey over on YouTube. And in me documenting my financial journey there, it started with me rebuilding my finances from making about $800 a month working part-time at a cafe to now bringing home about 10 k a month net in my company working part-time. So it's been really awesome to be able to influence um, people on that side of things. Um, I also like to let people know that I'm a mom and my son will be 18 this year, which is mind-blowing. It's like he will legally be able to marry someone (laughs) this year. That doesn't even make any sense to me, but (laughs) that is a thing. Um, And it just makes me incredibly proud. um, And it just makes me like, that's probably the biggest sort of thing that's going on in my life right now. And then I also like to tell people that on the Enneagram, because that's very popular. I am an eight. Oh, nice. I'm a three. (laughs) Okay. And I haven't done mine yet. (laughs) We got to get on it. We got to figure it out. And you know, it's interesting. I have a lot of threes around me. Like I usually, I have a lot of twos that like serve and do a lot of work around me, but Mm -hmm. I always seem to attract a lot of threes in my life. So, well, this is meant to be then. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Awesome. So Stacy, also, can you tell us that, you know, a little bit, we obviously know you did a TED talk. So how Mm -hmm. did that kind of come about and how did your speaking career kind of start? Um, What was like that first initial period of that you were like, yes, this is it. 
Okay, uh, let's start with the TED Talk. That's always exciting for people. So I was actually, I had participated in a speaking boot camp because I really wanted to become a professional speaker. And the speaker coach there had told us to write down like our top 10 stages. And I was like, TED Talk number one. Like, that was like my number one stage. And afterwards, he was just like, you know, all the work that you do should drive you towards being able to speak on your top 10 stages. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I literally applied to a TED stage every single year after that. And I was denied every single time after that Um, until 2015. I was actually speaking at another event that wasn't related to TED at all. But the person who was putting on the TED event, she was on she was in the audience, but she was putting on a TED event in my hometown. And she heard me speak at another event about something else, not in the TED format. She heard me speak and she emailed me the next day and she was just like, we got to have you speak at our TED event. Um, What do we need to do to bring you to the stage? So I like to tell people that because it was Mm -hmm. like, I had spent all those years applying to do TED and it didn't work. And then I just kept doing the work of speaking and eventually I was invited to speak on like Mm -hmm. my dream stage. And getting an invite to speak on the TED stage is very surreal, like different level of experience than applying. And so I was just like, is this the TED platform? Is this for real? Like, are you serious? Like, am I going to say no? Absolutely not. So like, I, you know, send the email and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you know, um, we already have our other speakers lined up and we've been working with them, but we would like to just, you know, kind of throw you in the bunch because it's very, it's highly organized. It's very structured in terms of how they do it. That's why when people do a TED, it, it is, um, so it's easier to magnify speakers who do or people who do a TED talk because they really do organize it very well. So they kind of threw me in the bunch with the people and I was like showing up to the meetings and, um, and, you know, sort of doing my thing there. And it was, it was very interesting because, because I didn't apply, I had a little bit of like, well, do you really belong here? Do you, mm-hmm. is this really okay? Like for you right. to just show up and the woman who invited me, she was just like, listen, I, you were what we were missing. Like we had already selected all of our speakers, but we were missing you. That's why I invited you. You belong here. And she said that. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm just going to do my thing. then. like, I've always dreamt of this moment. So let me stand in it. Let me lean in it. Let me, you know, um, do this whole moment. So yeah, I was actually invited to do my Ted talk versus having to go through the application process. So, which is so amazing because after you got so many, like, no, 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 then it was like the world was like, here you go. Like, this is yeah. what you've always wanted. Yeah, right. what I like to tell people. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, and what are the odds that that woman was sitting in the audience and contacting you? That's just crazy. Right. Right. That's why that's what I like to tell people is that, like, I was aiming for Ed or Ted always, but what I didn't do was stop once I didn't get the platform right because I could have been like oh well maybe I shouldn't speak because this this TED platform keeps denying me it was like no you should keep speaking just like even though you're not hitting this thing that you want keep speaking and it was because I didn't give up on the thing that I really enjoyed doing which was speaking that I was eventually able to be invited so Um, and I also like to tell aspiring speakers too is that typically the organizers of the TED platform, they don't like to go with speakers Mm. only because they know that speakers know how to speak and they know how to persuade. And what the TED platform really tries to protect and preserve is that they're giving this platform to people with an idea worth spreading. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're a speaker who knows how to say it. It just means you're a person who has an idea worth spreading. So my advice to like aspiring speakers who like are pointing towards the TED stage is to figure out what your idea is that's worth spreading and the TED stage will open up to you either via invitation or one day your application will be accepted. 
Right. I love that. That's some good advice. So what is your idea then? What was something that, that caught their eye? I know in your TED Talk you talked about, you know, the five people in your life. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe kind of share with people and expand on that a little bit? Yeah, that was actually the idea. So she was at an, another event that TED Talk used to be a 60-minute keynote, and she was there, and she was just like, oh, I've just never heard anything like this before. And I was just like, well, thank you. And she was just like, you have to do TED. And I, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was a great idea. That's why I wrote a, a speech about it. And I really, I love Jim Rome's idea of, like, you're the average of the five people you choose to associate yes. with the most. But when I was looking over my life and my mm-hmm. story, people would always ask, you know, oh, how did you overcome being a young mom? How did you become first-generation college? Like, they would ask me how I was doing all of these things, and I would be like, I'm I'm not doing anything special. It's the people that I have around me, but these are the specific people that I have around me. So in the TED Talk, I talk about having a cheerleader. I talk about having a mentor. I talk about having a coach, a friend, and a peer, and how when you have these five people surrounding you, it's it enables you to be able to actually chase the happiness that you want to actually be able to create it in your life because Mm -hmm. each of these different roles serves a different purpose. So when she heard that idea, she was just like, everybody needs to hear this idea. I need you to come and do this TED talk. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) thanks. Like, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, was it difficult for you to find these five people in your life? Or did Um, it come fairly easy? I think that they always showed up. It wasn't until I was like in the in in hindsight, looking back, trying to categorize it because I kept getting asked the same question of like, well, why, how did you do this? And I would, Mm -hmm. and I would be like, oh, well, I, I studied or, oh, I went to this school. Like I kept trying to give people the answers for how I was able to, to succeed or to grow or to whatever it was that they were sort of admiring me for. And it wasn't until I was looking back that I realized that those were the roles that were there because I kept, because you know, the big thing that we hear about are mentors. And I was like, well, this person wasn't really a mentor because they didn't mentor me to do anything, but they're significant like a mentor, but I know they're not a mentor. And so for me, roles are like really important because it just helps me to organize the world. And I think because I became a mom really early too, like I was very aware of my mom role. I was very aware of me being a student role, me being a leader. So roles are super important. And when I was trying to figure out the like essential, like critical people in my life, they didn't fit into the mentor bucket. So I was like, I need a different name for them. And then when I was just exploring the concept of different names, I was working with um, one of my best friends and she was just like, yeah, well, what do you think about this name? And what do you think about this? And I was just like, no, those are like identities. I need something a little bit more broad. And I was just like, I was a cheerleader in high school and I was just like, well, Miss Sirlis was definitely a cheerleader. Like she was just, so I kind of just was talking to a friend and then the idea surfaced and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. And then I was like, observing and looking into the world and I was like no this is a real thing like these roles really do exist and when people really have this it really does change their life and it's sort of just I kept just expanding on from there and doing the research and Mm -hmm. now here it's been in a TED talk nearly a million views and wow (laughs) Wow. that's so neat congrats on that that is such an accomplishment and I know I'm sure a lot of that hard work has been put in by you. Lots of long hours, and um, that's just amazing. Um, yeah. So, also, I have noticed that you are writing a book. Um, yes. <laughs> so, how did that all come about? And do you want to kind of give a little bit of a sneak peek or maybe mm. something? Mm. Okay, so I can't. Okay, so, okay, let's 
see what can I do? <laughs> okay, so yes, I'm writing a book and I have decided that it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Yes. I can't tell you what the book is about yet mm-hmm. because we're still in the beginning stages, but I will say it's in nonfiction. Um, it is um, in the self-help nonfiction arena. It is about happiness and it'll be me expanding on a concept that people love for me to talk about already. (laughs) I can definitely say that. Um, But to tell you actually how it came about, it actually came about because, um, again, going back to the five people, one of the newest peers that I have in my life is Mm -hmm. Rachel Hollis. I don't know how many of you all are familiar with her or your community, um, but Rachel Hollis is a new peer of mine. And Rachel Hollis has published some very successful books. And Mm -hmm. there are some very successful book publishers that are around her that they saw me speak and they reached out and they were like, Hey, we want to help you turn this into something that you can share with the world. And I was just like, Holy smokes. Is this happening? So it was another one of those Mm -hmm. things where it's like, because I wasn't like immediately like, well, Rachel Hollis has to be my friend or Rachel Hollis has to be my mentor. I was willing to enjoy the space of her being my peer Mm -hmm. and me showing up on her stage and serving her in that way that it's now turning into this space where I'm getting this incredible benefit on the back end of having access to different people that are in her network. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it, but we're in the beginning stages, so I can't mm-hmm. do too much of a sneak peek, oh, but no. I, it will amazing. be a great, that's, great book. It's very exciting. Well, we will <laughs> yeah, definitely be uh, sharing that with and our fans and yeah, followers and when and they come out. Sorry. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, I know. I know we're both definitely going to be looking forward to reading your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We loved your TED Talk, so I know we're going to love your book as well. So you just talked about Rachel Hollis. Mm-hmm. Britt is a huge fan of Rachel. She's my mentor. Speaking on the rise stage. Oh, man. It was incredible. So my ideal audience is women. I love talking to women. I was actually, so I tell people all the time, I come from an estrogen-rich family. I have seven nieces. I have four aunts. Like, we're just a very female-dominated family. And I loved growing up in that environment. Um, I have four sisters. And then for undergrad, I went to an all-women's college. So I have been around women and just, and the, the mission in my college is, statement it's like the careful education of women and I'm like yeah it's the careful education of women so I've always adored just being around women and watching us do all of the things that we do for the world like it's just it's mind-blowing like how powerful and incredible women are and so when Rachel reached out to me she's just like I don't know if you know about my conference I'm like no Rachel tell me about this conference the world like I was like Rachel Hollis, 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 like, is this, like, and you know how, like, um, on Instagram, there is the, what is that, it's like a blue check mark or whatever, so, like, when I first yeah, got, it was verified. Like, yeah, I was like, it's definitely, Rachel Hollis is not DMing me right now, asking me to speak on her stuff, <laughs> not but then I saw the blue check mark and I was like, let me go to her page and make sure it's the same, like, <laughs> I can't, like, okay, th- this is, this is her, like, I was, so it was a very sort yeah. of, like, a real mm-hmm. moment where I like freaked out because I had been following her for a while. I respect her. She's, you know, mm-hmm. the one of the top women in the personal growth and development space. I adore personal growth and development. Mm-hmm. So I had loved her work and loved what she was doing for women in mm-hmm. general. And so when she reached out, I was like, 
<laughs> I was like, I'm sure, I'll do this. Like, I, I, there was a part of me that was like, oh, maybe this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like imagining yeah. this. This isn't a delusion that you're yeah. having. Like, I'm not for sure. But then we went from the DM to my email, and then like people from her team were like emailing mm-hmm. me, and I was like, holy smokes, I'm gonna be seeking a rise. <laughs> and then um, I love personal growth and development, so mm-hmm. I was able to actually sit at the conference as well, and I was like. I spoke on the third day, so I had an opportunity to consume all of the speakers on the first day, then the second day, and then Dave went before me. And I mean, when I tell you, like, there's no, like, greater way to, like, take the stage than to have your peers, because all those speakers are essentially my peers, than to have your peers go before you and just set the tone for Mm -hmm. like the foundation that I get to stand on now. Like I'm sharing the stage with Rachel freaking Hollis. Like, are you kidding me? So I, so I'm able to having had all that poured into me on those first couple of days, get on the stage filled with the fire of rise, but also the, the same level of confidence and preparation that I do for all of my other engagements filled with all of that, take the stage and then speak to an arena of, my ideal audience which is women so it was like it was like the culmination or the the serendipitous nature of just like a perfect I'm doing this with my hands and you guys can't see that but like I'm just it was just like this perfect thing sort of coming together at the perfect time and I'm like at the beginning of the year this is a new decade I was like this is a dream come true like Uh. a total dream come true so it was it was very powerful it was I mean, it was, I mean, I'm still very much reeling from that experience because it was just so many of my ideals and so many of my dreams coming together at one time. Mm-hmm. And I was telling a friend, I was just like, this is what I mean when I'm talking about the peer, because everybody is like, oh yeah, coach, cheerleader, mentor. I'm like, listen, Rachel Hollis is not my friend. She's not my mentor. She's my peer. Mm-hmm. And she just changed my whole life. Have you ever just felt super stuck in your life? Felt like you needed to literally isolate yourself on an island, disconnect from everything, shut down basically. Need a break? Well, we got the perfect thing for you. The Oasis Retreats is a transformational wellness retreat that is driven to connect people to their deepest purpose, truths, well-being, and inspiration. It combines yoga, wellness, you get to explore all the different locations such as Hawaii, Morocco, Costa Rica, Bali, Peru, all of the amazing places where you can connect with yourself and connect with others. We have a 10% off code. So if you wanted to book yourself an awesome retreat, getaway, refresher, disconnector, use the code OASIS20 on your next purchase. Go ahead and check them out. They have amazing retreats that will make you connect with yourself deeper than you ever thought you could. Again, use the code OASIS20 because she she gave me an opportunity to speak to an audience on a scale that I haven't had an opportunity to speak to at that scale before all because she's this person where we are in similar you know fields and industries like it was just amazing super amazing I wish that people could see the big smile on my face right now my heart (laughs) is exploding for you because I know myself and I won't talk too long about this but I everyone around me knows that Rachel Hollis is literally, I have her necklace, I have her journals, I have her books, I recommend her to everyone and anyone, 
It's, I don't know if I'm annoying people at this point, but I say her <laughs> name, I say her name in every single one of our episodes, because yeah. we have a question at the end, um, where, you know, she can be incorporated in, um, but, gosh, it's just so cool to see how far you have come, and the experiences that you have been given, and you've earned yeah. every single one of those opportunities mm-hmm. and experiences, um, so my question is, you know, you're surrounded by so many amazing people Mm -hmm. um and with that what is something you have learned from those people um that has helped you change your life because I know you said that you know Rachel has changed your life and there's probably so many other people as well yeah I think the biggest thing is that when you're around a lot of great people you notice that they are great because they're themselves Mm -hmm. like that's the biggest lesson is that you you have to figure out who you are and be that always and always Mm -hmm. like and I think we think that oh well if I pretend for if I like the the term like fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. has turned into something where people are actually pretending to not be who they are or where they are in their life like Mm -hmm. I could pretend to be somewhere else in my life right now and not on a debt-free journey and not um, you know, writing a book, like I can pretend to be somewhere else, but like I'm on a debt free journey. I'm in the middle of empty nesting. I mean, like that's where I am and it makes up who I am. And because of that, all of the power that I have on the stage and a podcast or whatever it is that I'm doing in the midst of all these other great people around me, I'm able to distinguish myself from them because I'm being myself exactly where I am. And I think sometimes we have so much shame for where we're starting or where we're at. And it's just like, no, people actually need to hear from you at this level, at this stage, in this very way, with these very specific things. Because if if you pretend or if you go outside of yourself, they miss that. Like, here's here's a good example. So the Rise Conference, the attire is very casual. I'm not mm-hmm. a casual person just generally. Like, right. I have one pair of tennis shoes, and they are mm-hmm. the tennis shoes that I wear to the gym. Mm-hmm. Rachel Hollis has, like, probably a Carrie Bradshaw-level closet of tennis shoes. <laughs> I don't. So for the most part, everybody who was on the Rise stage was dressed very casually. Everyone wore tennis shoes. I, I believe I was the only one who wore heels. And so I remember when I'm like, okay, so I, and my mom is the one who like styles me and stuff. So I called my mom and I'm like, okay, mom, this is an arena and it's, you know, my ideal audience. And I was just like, but my only thing is, is the audience is very casual and, you know, I don't really do casual. <laughs> and so my mom is like, well, we'll figure out how to do your style, but in a casual way. And I was like, okay perfect so what we decided to do I was like oh I'll wear jeans that's casual (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) so I'm like because and this is the first stage that I've ever worn jeans to like speak because normally like I'm in a dress I'm in slacks I'm I'm just much more like elevated in my look and so I'm like okay mom yes jeans it is but like my mom picks these like bell bottom like jeans like so even in me doing casual it's still casual as me Mm -hmm. right it's not Rachel Hollis casual or Trent Shelton casual or Jen Hatmaker casual it's Mm -hmm. Stacey Flowers casual which is jeans and heels (laughs) (laughs) but that made a world of a difference when I was on stage among my peers in terms of me being able to stand out and them being able to understand well what was I there to contribute so Mm -hmm. I would say that that's the number one thing is when you're in a room of great people, understand that you're in that room because there's something great about you. But if you're pretending or you're trying to be like someone else, we won't get that thing that is right. you. And we right. want that. That's actually the reason why you're there. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. 
I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for anyone, we tend to have like a younger crowd, but we obviously speak to a lot of different ages. Um, mm -hmm. So for, you know, this is kind of a personal question and um, something I've always wanted to know is like, how do you recommend for young people who are like, I want to be a motivational speaker, or I want to do something, and they know and they feel it in their bones that, that that's what they want to do. What do you suggest? What do you recommend? Yeah. Um, so there there are a couple of things. Like, un, in inside of becoming a motivational speaker, there's, like, you, and there's your message, and then there is your ability to actually go out there and deliver it to other people. So a lot of times when people want to be a motivational speaker, it's because they know that they have a story. They know that they've gone through something. They know that they have something that they've experienced that they want to share with other people. And they're like, you know, I have a story and I have to get this story out. And what I tell people is that it's not enough for you to have a story. You have to have your story, but you have to have figured out the meaning of your story and the lesson in your story. Because if you get on stage and you just tell us your story, we leave heavy with the story. Mm -hmm. We leave burdened or maybe we leave feeling sorry for you or like, oh man, I wish things were different. But we don't leave having gained the wisdom that you now have. It's your job if you want to become a professional speaker to figure out what that meaning is and figure out what the lesson is in your story. And so like the example that I give is like if you've watched um, like any of the Disney movies, right? Like mm -hmm. Cinderella, we all know the story of Cinderella. She was like, her father was widowed, remarried, evil stepmom and stepsisters treated her poorly. She got to go to a ball one night. Um, lost her slipper he came looking for her and they both lived happily ever after that's the story of Cinderella but if we never like dove deeper to figure out well, what's the meaning of Cinderella well a part of the meaning of Cinderella is to be kind always no matter what a part of the meaning of Cinderella is to be yourself no matter what because right like when the when her godmother made the dress her sisters ripped it off but then the little birds and mice helped to repair it right mm -hmm. so she was kind despite her circumstances or maybe the meaning of Cinderella is you are not your circumstances but the meaning of that story shapes whether or not Cinderella exists in time and is this timeless classic but it's not just the meaning it's also the lesson on the other end where she got to live happily ever after as herself overcame her like if those two things were not distinguished, nobody, no one would be talking about Cinderella. There would not be mm -hmm. Disney on ice. There would not be, you know, Disney World and Disneyland. But it's not just the story. It's the meaning and the lesson. And your job as a professional speaker in the beginning stages is to figure out, well, what is the meaning of this story that I want to share? Mm -hmm. And what is the lesson? And then what do I need to do in terms of figuring out how to deliver that in a presentation to make sure the meaning is conveyed and the lesson is learned? Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's I'm just like letting that all like sink in. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 yeah, I would say so that's the mm -hmm. first thing start there and then okay. the second thing is that to be a speaker there is a business side to it mm -hmm. and I think when you want to speak and share your story like we're so full of the heart part and we're so full of the soul part mm -hmm. and the, I'm compelled and I'm convicted that we forget that it's not enough to be able to be a great storyteller speaker. You also have to figure out the business side of it. And when you're moving to figure out the business side, helps let someone help you figure out the business of it. Because so many people have a talent for talking. So many people have a talent for speaking. But they don't know how to build a business around that. So they never actually get to make it to the stages that they want to make it to or right. speak right. to the audiences that they want to speak to. But it's, it's two mm -hmm. sides. It's no, two I things. Love I love that. Um, so... Another question for you. So in your TED Talk, you um, mm -hmm. 
you stated that and in the interview you stated that you have a son um, and mm-hmm. that you had him in high school um, yeah. so can you explain a little bit about that time and what that was like and how you prevailed through that hard time um, because I think yeah. often I mean nowadays it's I mean not the most looked I mean it's a hard thing mm-hmm. to have gone yeah. through so can yeah. you expand yeah. on that a little bit yeah, um, it was a very, uh, it was a very difficult time. So I actually got pregnant in high school, but I ended up having him in the summer following um, my senior year in high school. Uh, I, you know, it was, it was such, it was one of those, it was, this is, okay, so this is it. I guess to put it into context, the type of girl that I was in high school is I was like the popular girl and I was like the fun girl. And I was like, you know, easily, you know, could have been prom queen, easily could have just been all those things because I was just the fun, happy go lucky. Like everybody knows Stacey Flowers, like she's like this great fun person. And so when I got pregnant, the shame and the shock of this very private act becoming public via me being pregnant was super duper overwhelming like emotionally mentally physically like just completely overwhelming because there was just suddenly this like I don't know shift in everybody as it should be because it's mm-hmm. not it's not a healthy thing to be going through that so that was a very difficult thing and so actually what happened is I dropped out of high school for about three months because I couldn't deal with like just any of it at all and then when I did go back to high school I stopped talking like all together like I just would do my work and I wouldn't like say any words at all like I just would not speak I would just go to class turn in my homework and then go home and so it was a very very dark very difficult hard time and the only thing that made it possible for me to prevail were are the two things that made it possible is one my mom my mom when I told her that I was pregnant I was very afraid so I went to her and I was just like mom I gotta talk to you and she was just like okay what's going on and I was just like well Stacy is pregnant and yes I talked about myself in the third person I was like oh <laughs> pregnant and she was just like Stephanie and I was just like no your daughter Stacy Flowers is pregnant and she was just like Sabrina and I was like mom you're not listening to me Stacy Simon Flowers is pregnant, like, you know, and she was just like, are you talking about yourself? Because I don't, I can't tell if you're talking about yourself. And I was like, I'm talking about Stacey Flowers. Like, and it was because I was so, like, I didn't know, like, how she was going to react. Her reaction was, you know, it's okay. We're going to get through this. Like, you know, this is fine. Like, we're going to, like, she had a very loving response. And I didn't, I, especially now that I'm older, I, I really appreciate that response because, I don't know how I would have responded if she would have rejected me, but she was very loving, very much like, okay, it's all right. Like, this is how life is going to be. You're going to be someone's mom now. So her unconditional love and her expression of love helped me to be able to prevail because even inside of like the church and stuff like that, like people were like, oh, you're a slut, you're a sinner, you're all of these Mm -hmm. things. And my mom would be like, you know, Stacey, you can't listen to that. Like, you're not a slut. You're not a sinner. You're someone's mom. Like she would just reframe the way the names that people were trying to call me and remind me like no your name is Stacy and you're a mom and you're this so that really really helped me and then the other thing that helped me to prevail was my guidance counselor Miss Searless like she was the reason why I got back into high school because I was on track to go to college I was supposed to go to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore I had the grades like all the things and she was just like you know Stacy your life isn't over because you're in the middle of this circumstance like you can still go to college and so 
I told her, I was just like, I don't know how. And she was just like, well, there's a college here in Omaha and they have a program called the Mothers Living and Learning Program. You get to live on campus with your kid Mm -hmm. and go to college. I was like, what is this magical place that I've never heard of before? Mm -hmm. And she helped me fill out the application when I had to do my college tour. Like she was like on the phone, like Stacy's on her way. Like she was just very much like you becoming someone's mom at this age doesn't mean that your life is over and I'm going to show you how to continue to navigate to have a life. And so she helped me get into college at St. Mary. My first day of college classes, my son was three and a half weeks old. Like she was, and my mom was like there, like I would go to class and my mom would be like in my dorm room with my son. And, you know, so between my mom and her, like I would go to class and then I would come back to my dorm and I would nurse and then I would like go to my next class Mm -hmm. and then I would like come back to my dorm because my mom was there and then I would like call Miss Searless and be like, okay, I did my first class. They gave us the syllabus. What do I do now? And she's just like, well, now you just do your homework and and I'm like, okay, Miss Searless. So it's like having those two people Mm -hmm. in my life like around me during that time is the way that I prevailed because I was able to bounce all the confusion, all the fear, all the stress, all the concern of where my life was going quickly Mm -hmm. off of them. And they mirrored back to me the best version of myself at all times. Miss Searless mirrored back to me that I was college bound and worthy of a college degree and smart and all that. And my mom mirrored back to me that I was, you know, still beautiful, still worthy and someone's mom and still like a wonderful person. Wow. You have so much strength. Yeah. Yeah. So much strength and so many amazing people supporting you around you. um, Because that's definitely not something easy to manage at that age. Um, Yeah, not at all. And I think, too, it's like it's hard to notice it. Because some of this, I'm realizing that's what it was in hindsight. Like, I wasn't an angel, right? Like, during the whole thing. But it's hard to notice it when you're going through hard times who's actually really there for you. So I always tell people, like, just sit at the end of the day or at the end of a week and just think about everyone who showed up for you. Even if you didn't like how they showed up, just notice who was there. Because we tend to take out our suffering on the people closest to us the worst. And we don't notice that, like they're only irritating us because they're close and they're close because they're trying to help. Right. Like, right. So to right. recognize and that. Yeah. I, I know like when you were talking, um, Trent Shelton said during hard times, the real people or the fake people prevail and the real people stand by your side. Um, mm-hmm. and I can definitely see that through your story. Um, yeah. and how, I mean, that's awesome. And that also helped then you create your five people as well. Um, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. 100%. Really awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Something we ask all of our guests is, who are the three people that influence you the most? Okay. (laughs) All right. So, the number one person, and again, if you've heard my TED Talk, you probably already know, is Beyonce. Like, I am so deeply (laughs) by Beyonce. Like, I'll tell you a quick story. When Beyonce got pregnant with Blue, and she, like, announced it Mm -hmm. at the MTV Awards, like, I didn't watch the show, but that night everybody was texting me Beyonce's pregnant Beyonce's pregnant like and I was just like whatever let Beyonce live when she's pregnant she will let us know you know and so my sister she was living with me at the time and she woke me she's like Stacy Beyonce's pregnant and I was like I just wish everybody would stop saying that and she was like no 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 Stacy watch and so then she showed me the video of Beyonce mm-hmm. singing love on top and then rubbing her belly and I was like oh my god Beyonce's pregnant oh. into tears crying I'm like bucket tears crying and I'm like Brenda Brenda do you know I'm crying like Beyonce's pregnant Beyonce's pregnant and Brenda was like yes Stacey I know why you're crying she's showing you that it's possible like you can be this great icon and you can have a family I was like you can you can so 
So I'm crying. Aww. I get dressed and I go to work at my very corporate professional job where mm-hmm. I'm a human resources. What was, what was my position? Human resource uh, training associate, I think is what my title was. Very corporate professional job. I go to work. I'm still crying about Beyonce oh. pregnant. I'm at work and, and everybody's like, what's going on? I was like, Beyonce's pregnant. Did you, did you hear that Beyonce's pregnant? And so like my, like the people in the HR office and they're like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Like she's having a baby. And, like, and so my boss, like maybe like an hour or so, she was just like, um, I'm not, there's, you know, I don't know what's going on, but if you need to take the day, because you seem very, <laughs> like, when you're in a, she, wasn't, she wasn't saying it in a bad way. She was just, yeah. a, like, that's how much I was, like, emotionally mm-hmm. taken by, it was, like, finding out that my sister was pregnant. Like, it was, <laughs> I was so moved by it. She was just like, if you need to take the morning or the day, you just let us know. You know, you have PTO. And mm-hmm. I was just like, can I? Because I just need time to process this, like, <laughs> having a baby. So... Oh this is God. how influential and impactful <clears throat> is. And I tell people a lot. It's because what Beyonce has managed to do that not a lot of superstars have managed to do is she's managed to be incredibly generous with her gift. She's managed to be incredibly generous with performance, singing, all of that, but not to the degree where she had to sacrifice the love of her life, sacrifice having a family, or sacrificing sacrifice having relationships with people that she had in her childhood. Mm-hmm. And for me, a dream that I've always had is like, you know, I've always wanted to be great, but a lot of the examples that of great women or great people, it's to the degree of them like not having a family or them not having a life or them, you know, it's like, it's so sacrificial that they don't get to quote unquote have it all. And when I look at Beyonce, I'm like, she has it all. This is possible. Like we don't have to decide one or the other. Like you can have, you can be Beyonce and a wife and a mom and a daughter and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so incredibly inspired by her and like so incredibly moved by her. And I was, and I just, I mean, yeah, she's the most influential person probably in my life because I take all that she does, even the way that I do my business and the work and stuff like that I that I do, I model it a lot after the way that Beyonce does her business. So Beyonce would probably be that. number one. Love that. <laughs> okay. Love that answer. <laughs> um, number two would be my mom. My mom mm-hmm. is an incredible human. Like she has lived, like when people hear my story, they're like, oh my gosh. If you heard my mom's story, you'd be like, what in the world? Like, mm-hmm. right? So the smile that my mom wears, despite the life that she's lived, I'm like, holy smokes. Like, how do you even exist? How do you even love this deeply? How do you, how is this genuinely how you feel and see the world? Like, she's taught me so much and just about being a woman and and, and living life and showing up and, and all of those things. So my mom would be the second person. Um, and then the third person who's been incredibly influential, um, I would, it would probably be through books. Um, one of my favorite authors is Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, his books, his, all of his books have been incredibly transformative for me. Um, and I started reading his work maybe back in 2008, 2008 and like, I always tell people, like, if you ever want to, like, give me a gift, get me something that Dr. Wayne Dyer has done. Like, his work is so profound because, and what I like a, a lot about his work is that he was educated in psychology and human behavior. And I, yeah, he has a PhD. They call him doctor. Yeah. So he has a PhD in all of that, but he managed to make the PhD psychological level things and ideas and concepts 
practical. He, he managed to make it something that is like super, super consumable. And I really appreciate that and really respect that. So it's like every time I'm opening his book, it's an opportunity to like dive deep on psychological human behavior things, but in a very practical um, digestible way. So oh, I love all of those three. And I love your yeah. Beyonce description. That was amazing. Yeah. That yeah, was amazing. That was great. My girl, I love her. <laughs> so one last question for you is what are some like tactical pieces of advice or things that you wish your younger self knew? Ooh. Um I wish my younger self knew how powerful gratitude was and speaking and writing it I didn't know that growing up and I really wish I would have known because I didn't I did not know the power of speaking or writing down gratitude to change my attitude or my perspective in the day and in the moment so I wish I would have known that um I think I wish I would have known practical tools like I, I wish I would have known I mean, I guess it kind of goes in line with gratitude, but just how powerful my voice is, right? Like, mm -hmm. I didn't know that the purpose of using my voice was to get the stuff that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I thought my voice was designed to take care of other people, but it's like, you can do that with your voice, but you can also get what you want and you can create what you want with your voice. So I wish I would have known that speaking up for myself and saying no as a complete sentence and saying yes as a complete sentence were things and had I done that, I think a little bit more frequently, um, when I was younger could have bypassed some of the things. Um, and then probably I wish I would have known how important like physical fitness is. Like mm -hmm. that's just something that I'm just getting into now. And I'm like, Oh man, your body is really strong. <laughs> like, and if you take care of your body, like the emotional stuff that you go through, the mental stuff that you go through, you get to experience it at such a, a better level. Like mm -hmm. the healthier your body is, the more intense and wonderful mm -hmm. every good experience. Like if you think about the best experience you've ever had in your life, imagine that times a hundred when your body is actually physically strong. Mm -hmm. So I probably would have prior prioritized that a little bit more as well. No, um, I love that. And then I think... I feel like, yeah, those are probably the three practical no, things. No, those were awesome. Those were awesome. Yeah, so, that's great. Stacy, we have had such a fun time talking Whoop. with you today. And it's truly <laughs> been... Thank you for being on our show. Yeah, it has truly been an honor to have you here with us. Um, I know that Meg and I, all of us have all had big smiles on our faces this whole interview <laughs> that people yeah. cannot see. Um, so yeah. it's been awesome. You're just like pure light. I feel it. And, um, Thank you. And we're just very grateful to have had you share what you have shared um, with our people in our community for our podcast. So thank you. Thank you. You are so welcome. But I appreciate you all for reaching out and making this happen. You guys are incredible. You thank right back you. at you. <laughs> Seriously, thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can follow us at The Prevail Podcast. Also, we would love it if you could take two minutes, just press subscribe to our podcast. Go ahead and give us a rating down below. Write us a little message. Go ahead and connect with us through the DMs on Instagram, email.